When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the 360 Recruiting Podcast, a podcast for OU recruiting fans by Sooners360.com. Each week, we catch you up on the latest in OU recruiting news and provide opinions and evaluations on all things OU football recruiting. I'm Chris Mason, lead recruiting analyst for Sooners360.com. I'm joined this week by Caleb Cummings, Sooners360.com talent evaluator and opinion creator. We're once again doing a two-parter this week with all the OU news going on as we lead to signing day, portal, and everything else. So this is part two. Uh, The SEC schedule is here. We are happily joined by our often co-host, Matt Burns. So Matt is joining us so that we can have a little bit of an interesting uh, discussion about the SEC schedule and all the other things going on with the OU football program right now. So, Matt, thanks for joining us. It's been a little while since we've had you on the show. Yep, happy to be here again. And we've got a juicy, juicy topic to go through in one of our usual kind of mini roundtables where I punish you guys by having to provide opinions on topics you can't possibly have the answer to yet. So we're going to do the, I think, the toughest one yet, which is the SEC and the Sooners full 2024 schedule and the Sooners SEC schedule. So I know you guys had a chance to look at this, see this. We've been talking about this in our admin chat. So we're going to lead off with, I'm just going to give you guys a chance to just give us a couple of minutes on just your initial thoughts. So Caleb will let you have the runway first. What do you, what do you think of this SEC schedule? It is it is more difficult than what Oklahoma has seen, obviously, the last few years. But I think when I look at that, and I've had this discussion as it relates to the SEC for a while, right? I think there always has to be – you have to separate out perception versus reality. And I think one of the things the SEC has done a great job of during its rise, which is really the rise of Alabama, followed by you know a couple of LSU teams in Georgia, and that's really been. I guess you had Florida with Urban Meyer in the in the early, uh, I guess in 08, 06, 08. But is when people look at the SEC, right? What they tend to do is, and they think of Florida. They don't think of Florida being five and seven. They think of Florida having Tim Tebow and Percy Harvin 
<laughs> right, and Brandon Spikes, and they think of, oh, God, you have to play Florida. And they think of LSU, they're like, oh, no, you have to go down there and you have to play Leonard Fournette, right? And you've got to play Jamal Adams, and you've got to play the Honey Badger, and you've got to play those guys. It's like, well, no, they actually had one of the worst defenses in the country, and they're losing their Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, right? And on top of that, LSU beat one team less this year with the winning record, one, and it was Missouri in a shootout. So, like, always kind of weighing perception versus reality. Uh, but, you know, Tennessee, Tennessee is not, isn't Peyton Manning. It's not, you know, it's not Rocky. It's not, it's not Rocky Top. I mean, it's not what Rocky Top was in the 90s, right? No, it's, I it's, mean, it's, you look at Tennessee, right? And they were eight and four. And they had, again, like LSU, they had one win over a team with a winning record, and it was Kentucky. Uh, and so, and they're losing their quarterback. They've got to we'll have a, a fresh a kid that was a freshman this year, and he he only played in four games. So he'll have a he could be a red shirt next year. He was a five star. Uh, so, but I look at it, and it's just difficult. And the reason it's really difficult is we're in the portal era. I have absolutely no clue what any of these teams will actually look like. You know, I run through and I look at like, hey, what was the record last year? Are they returning a QB? And are they returning a coach? You know, and and it's like, okay, well, you know, Tennessee doesn't return a QB. They do return their coach. I think Auburn was six and six, right? They're but they're gonna return a QB and coach will be in year two. Texas returns a QB. South Carolina, five and seven, not returning a QB, and they're gonna be a, an entire portal team. You know, so but I mean I, I would look at the schedule and, and, and would say, like, it's absolutely more difficult. When you think about the number of games that you could consider, maybe close to pick them. Right? There, there's not going to be many games on the schedule, by and large, that Oklahoma is going to be a double-digit favorite over. Uh, you know, unless, and this is again where it's difficult to say, unless Jackson Arnold goes out in the Alamo Bowl and absolutely rips it up and looks like a stud. And then you'll see the Vegas odds makers push Oklahoma into double digits over quite a few of those, uh, you know. But I will say, you look at the schedule uh, on the surface, and it, I would I think you would everyone could agree probably that hitting ten wins is going to be one of the more difficult ten win seasons Oklahoma's had, just because the margins for error are are going to be shrunk. Unless again, all that gets thrown out the window, depending on who Jackson Arnold is, because you know you you have a you have a legit quarterback, and we, we see that he's going to have lots of receivers to throw to. Zero clue if anybody will be able to block for him. But, you know, that 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 increases your your margin for error when you have a guy that can be that guy at the, at the quarterback position. So, Matt, what, what's your just initial knee-jerk reaction to it? It's really not that much different than kind of what Caleb just laid out there. You know, you look at it in a vacuum, you know, you don't consider any of the other SEC schedules or anything like that. And you're looking at this and you're saying, all right, I got to pay play Tennessee. You know, they're a, a blue blood SEC program. They're not a blue blood, but as far as SEC goes, Auburn, I mean, they've had success. They have a national title uh, since we do. Um, you always have Texas on the schedule, um, but at Ole Miss, okay, well, they're pretty good every once in a while. At Missouri, they had a really good year this year. And then you got Bama and LSU, a blue blood and a possible blue blood. Uh, 
and you kind of freak out a little bit. You get a little nervous, but then, like Caleb said, you start breaking down some of these teams. And I think what the main hurdle for a lot of people right now is the fact that the SEC is by far, far and away the best conference, which over the years, I think if you take you know the last 15 years or so of college football, yes, that's true on average, but that doesn't make programs like Ole Miss that much better than a program like Kansas State or a program like Baylor, maybe not as much the last year or so, but you know, the Bryles area and then Rule kind of had them going again. It's it's the same team in different color jerseys, basically, for the most part. Now, Caleb, you said there's going to be an, an extra game or two on the schedule that's more of a pick uh than your typical Big 12 schedule, but, you know, we're still Oklahoma. Yeah, and that's really fair because I – so I you know, had a friend – uh, that so he 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 was he was a fire right uh, and he he fought mostly in the U S always wanted to go to Japan and he had this really good analogy once and he told me it's like he always wanted to go to Japan to fight and this is you know some mixed martial arts is like because there was just this mystique he had this he called it the far awayism it was like because they were far away he viewed it as like that's just that's where the better guys are at and he got over there and was like nah, actually it's <laughs> fighting the same guys <laughs> there was a lot of guys that weren't near as good you know and particularly in certain skills and so i think we we find that with like the sec where you like to your point you're an Oklahoma fan and you look at Ole Miss, you're like, man, they were 10 and two last year and you got to go to Ole Miss and, and they're pretty good. And you think, but wait a second, that's also an Ole Miss team that the last two times they played a big 12 team, Baylor kicked the shit out of them and Texas tech absolutely wrecked them by like 17 or 20 points in a bowl game. And, you know, I think because we're OU fans, you get used to like, Hey, for playing tech at home, it's a win. Play them on the road. Maybe it's a toss up. Right. We play Kansas State. That's going to be a tough game. But you got used to just knowing we beat this team because we know this team. And with the SEC, we don't have that yet. You know, we just don't know. You know, we just they have that far awayism where you're like, oh, Auburn sure is going to be tough because they had Cam Newton 14 years ago. It's like, okay. You know. <laughs> yeah, and, and the portal, it just creates this complete new realm of how these teams develop and process and, and grow. And, you know, what um, Auburn, for instance, they were a complete new team last year. Hugh Freeze comes in, they get a new quarterback, they're getting transfers left and right. And guess what? It didn't really work out and they're doing the same thing again this year. So how, how can somebody like Auburn put together a roster that can compete with someone like OU, which we've had some turmoil, but the last, you know, two off seasons leading into this one, Brent Venables has done a great job in stabilizing this program. Uh, Kyle pointed it out the other day. Um, what it's been one guy since 2022 that has left in the portal that we didn't really ask to leave. And that was Dalen Smothers. Right, two. Oh well, I guess that. <laughs> I guess we'll get to that part a little bit later. But 
Um, so, yeah. so two, right? And, and so and both of them were, were true freshmen that I think when you look at them and even with Caden, right, you were looking at and you were really hopeful for what he was going to be. It's not a, right. it's not this all American, you know, NFL player that's, that's leaving. So yeah, because yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you, and so you nailed it. Cause to me, I look at it and it's like, Ole Miss is a good example of that. Cause they've done that the previous two years. It's been all portal guys in the first year. You know, it fell apart. They started whatever it was, six and zero, and they lose like five straight games, end up seven and five, and again get their teeth kicked in in the bowl game against Tech, and then and then signed sixteen high school players yeah. after that season. And so with and then they had a ten and two season this year. Although their ten and two season was just interesting because you know five of those ten wins were single possession games. You know, and and one of them additional, which was the sixth against uh, Tulane, it was tight, and they kind of separated there real late in the fourth quarter to, to end up winning by seventeen. But it's it's one of those things where they're going to do they're doing the exact same thing this offseason, where they are just rotating their roster via the portal, and you have no clue who they're going to be, what they're going to trot out as, how that's all going to gel. You know, uh, so <laughs> but I, I think that. The reason Alabama and the reason that Georgia dominate everybody is because they recruit better at the high school level and they develop those guys better. Alabama offensive line to me is the best example of that. You know, the Cohen kid that famously tried to leverage Alabama to get his uh, girlfriend into law school. And they were like, you're starting guard, right? Started two or three years at guard form. And they said, hey, that's too much. We don't care about you that much. Go to Miami. And they just plugged the next kid in that was better. You know, that next the kid that came in and played guard for him this year. I mean, he was rolling up the Georgia defensive interior defensive line like Cohen never did, you know, but they did that because they developed those guys and they didn't have to go out and, and, and try to, you know, patch one together via the portal and hope the locker room worked out and hoped everybody was a fit in this game. So my, my initial thought right off the bat was that it's, it's a very good schedule to get Jackson Arnold ready for the second half of the season. That the Tennessee at home is your first SEC game is a nice landing spot. Auburn is a is again a it's a road game and everyone's like, "Wow, it's so tough playing on the plains." All we need to do is we need to just convince Auburn that we're New Mexico State and we're not we're not, you know, Alabama or Georgia, um, and Auburn will, you know, will play like crap at home and it'll be fine. So, but I just the, the schedule opens well, I think, for OU. You've got some, you've got some home games. You can get what is going to be a rebuilt O line. You get it some time to hopefully gel with whatever whoever's playing where, and then and then the other pieces that'll be new and the other, well, you know, we've got some portal pieces. We're adding, bringing a lot of freshmen in. Um, a lot of early signees. I think twenty kids are going to enroll early. So you've got a huge boot, and that's when we we love this t- recruiting class. That's what we talk about every week, usually on this on this pod. We we like the recruiting class coming in. So those games, I think, give you a chance to build some depth and give Jackson Arnold some time to kind of you know work through the kinks, get in get in sync with his wide receivers, so that when you when you hit Texas, you're you're, you're hopefully you're you're hopefully humming. So that was my initial thought. Was the back half of the schedule is a little bit of a bear. 
the front half, if you can make hay on the front half and get get some depth established, get some new pieces integrated, both freshman and portal, and also redshirt freshman, and get your your depth better um, for a for a rugged second half of the schedule. Well, and kind of continuing that point, how perfect of a gift are those two bye weeks? Ah, oh, priceless. I mean, you get your your first five games, like you're saying, against probably some of your weaker opponents besides Maine and maybe South Carolina. But um, you knock that out of the way. You get a bye week. You get prep for Texas. Uh, then you get South Carolina and Maine kind of sandwiched in between there. You know, Ole Miss is going to be tough. I'm not saying going to Ole Miss is going to be a cakewalk or anything like that. And you saw how Missouri played this year. We'll see if they can repeat that next year. But you get that South Carolina and Maine kind of sandwiched in there, and then you get another bye before the gauntlet at the end of the season. I think that's going to help a lot. Two buys is a big deal, but two buys on those two specific weekends, I think is just super important and I think can't it's a, be overlooked. It's a little gift, I think, for not getting a Vandy or Kentucky instead of um, Missouri. Or both, both of them like Texas did. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> give me a freaking break. Um, uh, although Kentucky is kind of a K-State-ish yeah, they, Kentucky case, wishes they could be K State. If we're being honest, okay, okay, all right. Well, I, I mean, I'm being a little generous there. So that's my that's my initial thought is that you've got four good ramp up games before you have to go on the road with a new quarterback. You catch Nico pajamas early <laughs> on his first on his first. Uh, I won't butcher his last name out of respect to his family. Um, so you you catch him before he's really had a chance to get settled. Um, in Norman, I mean, I think that first SEC home game is going to be a pretty wild atmosphere, I guess. I'm guessing. Uh, in Norman, Norman will probably be as psyched as it's been for a game in a long time. It's lit, Chris. That's, that's what the kids are saying these days. Probably, it's probably on to something else at this point, but I would say Norman will be pretty lit on September 21st. Okay, well, I, I will preface it that this podcast is from the 1980s and 1990s perspective. So I've used enough old references that I think everyone who's listening understands that. So You know, I'll, I'll um, say this. I think the thing that I'm probably most interested in seeing play out, and I've thought this for a while, right? I think the SEC, from a talent perspective, is the roster's top to bottom, right? Uh and it's definitely more top heavy, right? It's definitely more top heavy, uh, but I just I do think they're a little bit more talented, right? I think I, I bet you the numbers show that like Mississippi State sends more kids to the NFL than like Kansas, right? But I've also thought this for a while, and it's that while they're more talented of a conference, top to bottom, and from a you know influx of just raw physical ability, the Big Twelve was far and away the better coached conference. I think if you tossed, right, you tossed like Leopold and Kleiman, uh, even Campbell at Iowa State. I know he gets – people don't like him and his tantrums and they kind of crap on him. But you also have to look at it's Iowa State that he's doing these things at. You know, they're going to bowl games and beating Big Ten and SEC schools and playing with them. And so – and yeah, like, and then again, I know everybody dislikes Mike Gundy. Maybe not everybody, but most people. But you take you look at what Mike Gundy did with that Oklahoma State roster this year, right? I mean, again, like 
Auburn's far smoking. Auburn's smoking. Yeah, Auburn's far more smoking, talented. Smoking. You know, Auburn's way yeah. more talented. Oklahoma State wins nine games. Auburn's wins six. You know, and, and it's just like I, I think there's a there's a the Big Twelve is far and away a better coached league. And you know what? They could be a, you know, there's some psychological things to, you know, you see this in life, right? Guys that are super talented and everything's like, ah, maybe they don't tend to be, you know, the focused grinders that those that don't have the talent oftentimes are. So maybe there's some of that, but I'm interested to see how that just plays out. Okay. So if we're going to take the Alabama and I'm going to take the LSU and Texas games off the table. All right. How about LSU and Texas? Okay. Those three, take those three games off the table. What game worries you the most? What one game worries you the most? Oh, and yeah. It could be the, it could be the location or it could be the spot in the schedule. Um, what's the, what's the letdown game that worry or a potential letdown game that worries you the most? Hmm. So, I talked a lot of shit about Auburn, but I might bring them up again here only because it's it's the first road game, period, for Jackson. Well, I guess Jackson Arnold, you can give him credit for starting the second half of BYU, but this is not starting, you know, at BYU. This is at Auburn, Jordan Hare Stadium. It's it's loud, it's raucous, it's it's a great atmosphere, you know. Say we're at two thirty or even like a six o'clock time slot um, there, night game, something like that. Jackson Arnold's first road start. These players, they hear this SEC talk. I mean, I don't know how much that's going to be in the back of their mind. Like, oh, uh, is there a little doubt there? Like, oh shit, are we getting ourselves into something um, that we're not prepared for? I mean, you never know what the psyche of the team will be going into that. We're hoping, you know, Jackson Arnold looks great in the bowl. He looks great in those first couple games. And then there's a lot of momentum. But say, you know, a play or two doesn't go our way. You get a little worried. You're going to Auburn on the road early in the season. I think if you take those other three games out, that might be the first big hurdle that once you clear that, I think they can breathe a lot better. Okay. Caleb, which which uh, with the narrow constraints I put on you, what game worries you the most? The, the the three you took out were LSU, Alabama, Texas, and Texas, and Texas, Ole Miss, yeah, Ole Miss. And so I I'm I'm piecing this together from some of what we've seen, like of Jackson Arnold, and then everything that we've heard about him. I continue to think just that throw he had on third down, you know, your your tackles getting collapsed in your in in your in the in your butt, and he just slides up, smokes a dart. I think he's going to have, he does right, a particularly, and we'll get to the, the Purdue transfer at wide receiver, and you know, and if Farouk returns, the talent he's going to have around him is going to be. Among the best, if may, maybe actually, it arguably might be the best, you know, skill like receiver group in the SEC. You know, and when we'll see who they get at tight end. There's there's one out there I think pretty highly of, uh, but Ole Miss because like, Dart has gotten better. You know, he was better this year. Uh, he was I say better. He was more efficient this year I think than he was uh, he was last year. Yeah, I think, I think so. Yeah, and so that would be the one that gets me a little bit. You know, with with Auburn, I do agree with Matt. Like that's that's a game where it's going to be Oklahoma's first SEC game, so it's probably likely you're going to get a three o'clock or two thirty or whatever it is on 
is it all on ABC, ESPN now? They, they ended with CBS, which sucks because if you watch those games, CBS had far and away the best quality of a production. You know, like the cameras and the camera picture, angles, the picture, the picture, everything about it was just yeah. better. So we'll see if, you know, ESPN can replicate that. I doubt it. But uh, Ole Miss, because of the quarterback, you know, I think that's, again, it's like that one piece where you look at the schedule and if you're telling me Jackson Arnold, he is who we think he is, right, Denny Green? I mean, you're probably looking at what? How many of those games? Alabama and Texas, and then Ole Miss, where you would say they've got maybe they've got an equal signal caller. Okay. To me, the uh, since I don't since I since I constrain things a little bit here, um, I'm going to take the Missouri game just because. If for some reason you guys are right and we and we're right and the skill guys click, running back rallies, um, if nothing else, um, you know we talked about in part one. We have a new we have a new portal running back. We got Taylor Tatum coming in at running back. Um, if tight end could be very improved depending upon how the portal shakes out, we'll see. Um, I think Missouri is kind of the because I, I have this feeling that maybe Drinkwitz comes back to earth next year, that this is one of those, you know, things just cl- from that fit from that ridiculous field goal to beat K State to some of their other things that just kind of went their way and went their way. It was kind of like one well, not a not a magic season, but things kind of broke their way. To be honest, a little bit. Um, I wonder if perhaps we. Missouri is not doing as well as we think, and maybe that game is more of an ambush that OU has managed to maneuver their way through there and looks good for possibly maybe at that point in the season they're looking good for a to to maybe compete for a college football twelve spot and and the Missouri game is they're getting gets a little overlooked. Yeah, I think that's that's a that's valid. Yeah, I think people realize like Drinkowitz is a he's a Norman native. Like he like, grew like born and raised in, in Norman. Missouri is an old big eight, big twelve rival who Oklahoma beat the shit out of for sixty years, you know, so or longer actually. I think it's one of the longest played uh, most played games. So you're it's if they're good, and I don't know how good they will be, because you look at like their depth chart and it's it's redshirt senior, redshirt senior, redshirt senior on both offense and defense. Like they're losing an absolute ton. And you don't know if like Brady Cook, their quarterback, is going to return. Because if he does, you know, uh, of course he's an interesting one too, right? Because you're like, what are you getting? Some weeks he's looked really good, other weeks not as much. But I would bet if they're, you know, whenever Oklahoma gets them at that point, if they're seven and two uh, or eight and one or whatever the record is, that it, that they'll probably be, really up for that game in in Columbia will probably be rocking. So, all right, I'm I'm going to make I'm going to ask you guys to do the most difficult thing here. We 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 don't know can't name OU starting offensive line. Um we we can't name I who I don't even know who um LSU's quarterback is going to be, right? Is it Nussmeyer? I don't think LSU knows. Yeah, you don't know who LSU's, don't know who LSU's <laughs> yeah, quarterback I know. is. Nussmeyer's been talked about, but they've also been talked about. Oh, are they going to go get a portal guy? Yeah. Um, Auburn's quarterback was awful. Uh, uh, they were supposed to be getting an, an upgrade in the portal. I haven't seen um, it. They, they played two, but they're looking, I know. Yeah. Yeah, so 
They, but they're both of their quarterbacks were terrible. If they couldn't run the ball, they, they were terrible. Uh, but somehow they ran the ball on Alabama and Georgia, but <laughs> uh, it's just, Auburn was just schizoph- was just was just bipolar last year. No, no, no offense to anybody. I'm just saying that just their highs and their lows were just incalculably. Well, it's what you wide. love about college football. I saw someone break this down, and they talked about a lot of like the the like cross action that Auburn would do uh, offensively. Right, it would really confuse linebackers, and it helped them get the edge. And like some teams, that they if how they fit, it didn't. For Alabama, it murdered them. I saw someone pointing that out to like, well, Georgia doesn't do that. So in Auburn, you know, you can't take what Auburn did to Alabama and say that Georgia can do anything similar because very different. Uh, but they ran on Georgia. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> so it was it was it was it was crazy. So, but anyway, so I'm going to make you guys with. With, this is an impossible task, so we're not going to hold anybody to this. We'll, we'll come back to this post-spring um, after we've had a chance, maybe, post, maybe post-portal maybe post signing day and after after everything, maybe Feb 1 where we're waiting for uh, – where we got the – where we're in the doldrums. Maybe we'll come back to this, but just give me a pr- just give me a prediction. If you don't want to give me losses, don't give me losses, but if – but I'll but I'll I'll go there with losses. So give me a prediction. OU's first SEC schedule, and uh, go from there. So I will lead off to give you guys some time to think about it. I'll do the hard job. I think OU goes based upon what information I have right now and the little I know about all these SEC teams and what they're doing and what they might be. I think OU goes 10 and 2. They split Alabama and LSU, but they stumble somewhere else and Jackson Arnold being a sent being being the high school he went to and all the guys he knows, he is not freaking losing to Texas. Jackson Arnold beats Texas. That's that's what Jackson Arnold's DNA says he has to do and we're going to listen to that. Texas is losing more than OU. If, if you ask me, and I don't, I don't, and I don't think Quinn Ewers is that big an upgrade year over year. I don't, I'm, I'm not sold on him. So I know Texas is signing a great class. We're matching that class pretty much head to head. They're doing okay in the portal. We're doing fine in the portal for the most part. So that's what I'm seeing. OU going ten and two, splitting Alabama and LSU, beating Texas. But one of those three weird road games you guys bring up, I think OU stumbles. I think uh, it'd be hard pressed to disagree with that. I think that ten and two. I mean, the schedule sets up perfectly, like Chris, you explained earlier, for Jackson Arnold to really get his feet wet. And you know, depending on how we do on the defensive line in the portal, I think, which is a big unknown at this point. Um, I'm sure you guys are. are going over that in the the recruiting episodes. Uh, But I I think that'll be important for, you know, kind of separating Oklahoma from the Auburns, the Ole Misses, the Missouris on the road. But, you know, it's season three for Brent Venables. You know, we can go over some things that we haven't liked that, you know, he still needs to figure out from a game management perspective. And then, you know, you have a gauntlet of Alabama and LSU who were – two of the most talented programs in the entire conference back to back. It's going to be hard 
to run through that. So I think 10 and two is a reasonable expectation without sounding like a homer, honestly. You gonna you gonna qualify those losses, or are you just sticking with ten and two? Um, I you think can, you can just stick with ten and two if you want. Well, I think I like you know your idea of you're gonna split Alabama and LSU. I think you lose one of those, and then I mean I don't really see any of these home games being losses besides Bama. I don't know. Maybe I'm talking myself into eleven one, but <laughs> I'll, I'll go ten and two just to be safe because you're always going to struggle against a team that you shouldn't have uh, like Kansas this year. So there's going to be one of those. So there's, there's no call to Nikki offensive coordinators in the sec. And that's where I go back to like it. To me, it's just interesting. You know uh, it, it's just, I, I don't think that the sec has, and it's somewhat, it's, it's understandable, right? Like for years, you would see like a lot of these top offensive coordinators or top defensive coordinators would come out of like the WAC or the MAC, or like the WAC, right? They'd come out of like Utah State or Nevada or these places where, again, they don't have as much. So they've really got to innovate. They've really got to, you know, squeeze as much as they can out of it. And I, I think, you know, something I think that plays into to maybe Oklahoma's hands a little bit. You know, where Brent's going to get a little bit more pro style, which his defense tends to do really well against. Eat up. Yeah. It's like, hey, Eat you want to run the ball? Good. Because his defense, that's what it's designed to do. It's designed like stop the run first. And then, you know, I want to try to light you up with my defensive line. If I can't, I will bring pressure from every angle possible. I, I can play more Desan McCall at linebacker. Yeah. Yes, please. I wish they'd play him and just move him to Will, like full time. But that's the conversation for. Uh, I'm gonna say ten and two. All right, Caleb, you're. I'll go ten and two you as go well. 10 and two. I will. I mean, I'm good. All right. And I will say this though: uh, the whole Alabama LSU thing. I do find it interesting. You guys view it that way, because when I look at LSU, and we'll see what it turns around, right? They and people talked about this in the SEC that this LSU team physically, when they trot out, not look like LSU teams of the past. You did not look at them and go, you know, for. 15 years, like post Nick, say, you know, so Nick being there to less on into Ed, right? Those teams that trotted out physically, you were like, well, they look different. And I heard a lot of people talk about, you know, this one, it didn't look that way. And they had maybe one of the worst defenses in school history. And it was completely, you know, that the entire team was just buoyed by, you know, Jaden Daniels having a, a better season than what Kyler Murray or Baker Mayfield had you know, offensively, and they lose him. And they're losing that ad livability. They're losing a running quarterback threat. So I don't know what they're going to be on that. Uh, Alabama's at home. I'm going to say there's going to be two losses somewhere, you know. But uh, a lot of that really comes down to me, like I mentioned, is if Jackson Arnold is that guy at quarterback, then I think, you know, uh, you're going into – Well, who's who's the best – Who's the best returning quarterback in the SEC? People probably tell you Jalen Milrow. And I'm not like the biggest fan of him in terms of I think he stresses you because of where some other guys stress you. Their offensive line being able to run the ball, right? It creates some conflicts and it frees him up. And you don't know what to lose. Like, will Lantham go to the NFL? Will they not, you know, maybe not be as – again, yeah, you don't know whatever he's going to be. But, I mean, that would be the only game you would trot into. And you would say, like, hey, you know, Brady Cook maybe if he has the same type of year. But I don't know. You know, I'm kind of talking out of my butt here. Quit, 
Quinn Ewers? Well, I, I know Ewers gets a ton of crap, and I can kind of agree with some of it, but I do think – like I think the world of Sark as an offensive coordinator, and I think that when Quinn is on time, on schedule, playing within his scheme, he's really good. When like you'll cover things up and can make him, you know, confuse him, heat him up, make him move, do some things, he's, he'll fall apart. He'll turn the ball over. Or he just will miss some stuff, and he'll go. He's just not like a dynamic guy uh, to me. And so, I mean, that's we saw Oklahoma beat them this year by doing that, right? Like just confusing him creating turnovers, make him go make a play with his feet, light him up, he fumbles it, uh, just doing some things. like This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply like that so uh and i'm gonna i'm gonna say this my other guess is so jackson arnold's gonna be a guy at quarterback and this is an ou podcast so we gotta say this right and the other part is i'm going to assume that the end of season tanks to some regard that we've seen like defensively where it struggled the last two seasons that's fixed because jeff levy's gone you know, and I could rant for days on like this, almost like the dude was like almost ideologically possessed with tempo, where it was like, I'm going to run tempo for the sake of running tempo. You know, his goal was to run tempo, not to fucking score or not to win a football game. His goal in his mind was to run tempo and just run our offense. It wasn't like, oh, no, the goal is actually to win the football game. And I think, I really do think getting him out. And getting Seth in is going to fix a lot of that. I think it's going to help fix Oklahoma from a situational standpoint. I also will be quite frank. I don't think Jeff was a fantastic play caller. I think his two best seasons calling plays is when he had Josh Heupel down on the field telling him, hey, I'm seeing this, do that. And when he had Lane Kiffin doing the exact same thing. You know, you've got him up there doing his deal. But just like I've always said, you know, 
Lincoln Riley was at his best when Bob Stoops is on the headset telling him, run the friggin' football, give it to Mixon and give it to P. Ryan. Quit throwing it, you know, and, and you know, every single snap, run the football. And so I, I think that I'm assuming here, I, I think that the tandem of of having Seth and Joe John will will benefit the offense and just the team as a whole. I think they'll be able to slow it down when they need to slow it down, play situational when they need to play situational football, and, and that will just help them be more efficient. Maybe the numbers aren't going to be, you know, this gaudy thing, but uh, it's a little bit like Aaron Judge, right? Goes out and going to hit 62 home runs, but he's going to strike out 197 times. So you think you think maybe the defense is on the field less, less yeah, reps, absolutely. less tired, less worn, less worn down, because I mean, we, I mean, because it was clear that our defense is just worn down at the end. Of, I mean, that the we're just worn down at the end of the year, and that's what that's what the main defensive breakdowns to me. Look oh, like. absolutely, it, it's 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 all, it's that, and I also think it's just like how like it's just how it works, right? Like you're going against other good athletes that are skilled. The more opportunities you hand them to take shots at you the more shots they're going to hit, even if they're only hitting 10%, but you're giving them, who was it? When Oklahoma played West Virginia, their, their Neil Brown commented that at that point in the season, Oklahoma's defense had played one more complete game than what West Virginia's defense had played because of the snaps. And that was Oklahoma had what four? I mean, they had the West Virginia game and then all those games thereafter. I mean, Oklahoma played probably two – Oklahoma's defense played two more full games this year than a lot of other defenses. And it's still improved from 70th in 2022 to 35th in 2023. And, uh, you know, those stats have been floating around out there. Brent Venables first three seasons at Clemson saw a similar progression. They were like 60th the first year he got there. Then they got up to like 25th cracking top 25. And then they were like two yeah. in year three. Yeah. Now it's a little different with the portal. You got guys moving around. Uh, Clemson might have had a little bit more uh, guys on defense via recruiting than OU did when Brent Venables got here. Thank you, Lincoln Riley. Um, but that progression is on his resume. I think it's something that we can expect. And Chris, I don't know if this jumps us into the next segment. Well, I but think we should uh, go ahead and jump there. Let's do that. So I, I think you're you're kind of, you know, you, you see the progression from 70th to 35th, and then you look at some of the portal exits. Now, we won't, you know, point the finger at one guy or anything like that, but I think you're you're continuing the the progress of cleaning house that you started last offseason. There's some guys gone. There are some guys that are returning that are very key. Um, and I don't see any way this defense isn't top 20, top 15 by the end of you know this point next year. So, obviously, the two biggest we – we were having a pretty good week as OU fans until around 4 o'clock Eastern time – Right in the middle of the um, finale of Godzilla Minus One, I was at the movie theater. My phone started blowing up. Um, Godzilla, they finally figured out how they're going to destroy Godzilla. Godzilla Minus One, really interesting take on Godzilla, if you like monster movies. Uh, Probably the best Japanese-produced Godzilla movie in a a long time. So 
minor plug for Godzilla minus one. If you're looking for uh, two hours of uh, decent entertainment, it's, it's it's really pretty good. Good good Godzilla movie. But anyway, and we'll, we'll send the the uh, invoice for that promo to the studios uh, tomorrow. Yeah, get, get, make sure we're we're monetizing that correctly, uh, Matt. So let's put green aside for a second. So and let's just combine it. So Matt, you're our you're you're our, you're our guest today on a on a silly factor of one through ten. How big is Stutzman and Bowman returning for the OU defense? The combo of them. I mean, you got to go eight or nine, right? You know, ten's good, right? <laughs> ten's good. Okay. Ten's good. Ten's ten is good on this scale. I put yes. my foot in my mouth the last time I was on this podcast, so I just <laughs> want to make sure. Um, eight or nine, right? Because you know you're not talking about the return of Tyron Matthew, but Billy Bowman is clearly a talent back there. It's going to be one more year of experience. He's a turnover machine. He started a little slow this year. Really hit his rhythm. You know, so so you got to rate that pretty high, and then Stutzman is a guy that you know in our in our admin chat we were kind of like, well, okay, he's leaving. Should he leave? Should he not? Should he stay? You know, I was kind of thinking he's got the talent to be a second or third round linebacker. I think this year, just based on his measurables and his experience, you add another year to that and put him under Brent Venables for 12, 13, 14, 15 more games. I think that brings me back to the point I just made a little bit ago that this there's no way this is not a top 15 or 20 defense next year. Okay. Caleb, what do you if I'm if I'm giving you this this arbitrary 1 through 10 scale that doesn't cover the nuance of this in any in any any manner whatsoever but just to give it a, just to put something behind it, what would you rate it? I mean, I would give it a 10. You know, for because the question being right is for Oklahoma, where does this rank? Right, like not so. It's not for a all of college football. If you have Alabama's roster or whomever's, but for Oklahoma, where does it where does it fall? It would absolutely be a ten for me. I think good football, uh, good you know, good defenses in football are built the same way they are in baseball, and that's right up the right up the middle. And so you're returning, and I and I put this in the chat. Like I think you know, Danny to me has. And we talked a little bit about this, right, on the site, and it's just – I think I, I kind of went in depth on it in, in one of the one of the threads. It wasn't until the very back half of his first year with Brant that it started – if the game started to slow down and things started to click. And then he was injured for half of this season effectively. I mean, was it the Texas game or before he had the stinger? And, and that lingered, right? You know, to Matt's point, you know, he's 6'4", 240 pounds. He'll probably, he'll run, I would assume, you know, 4'6", 5". He'll run in the 4'6". You know, so he's he's got all the physical ability in the world. And I think he's really, you know, I would say he's probably just hitting that sweet spot just now of, hey, understands everything he's doing, everything the opponents are trying to do, or trying to do rather. And I think it's just down to him, can he be healthy? And then with Billy, and we've talked about this some, right? It's like, hey, we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, was it, uh, Willie, uh, oh gosh, the defensive coordinator at Penn State that now is at Duke. 
Manny Diaz. Oh, um, Manny Diaz. And he brought up the best point ever. Is he? Is he a dude? head coaching job. He's now the dude. He's, he's now the dude. Uh, which, I just love to point man, this man, out. Where you been, I love man? to point this out. You look at his time at Miami. He he was he was better by a long shot than what Cristobal is. When you just look at like season for season, how they were winning games and how they were losing, it was like really close losses. And anyway. But he pointed out, and he's 100% correct, right? We're like, hey, you know, corner, defensive end, these are height, weight, speed. These are, you know, physical attribute positions. Like, do you have, you know, freakish ability to play these? Middle linebacker and safety are information processing positions. Like, can you process information? Do you have instincts? Can you play the game in, you know, between the years, quicker and better than other people. And I think, you know, getting year three, Billy and and Danny, the further you get away from Grinch's scheme, you know, because I really do look at like year one of Brent and Norman, like he's just teaching like basic fundamentals. And we heard stuff, right, from inside the program where they were like, holy shit, how do these kids don't know like basic fundamentals of like, hey, you know, <laughs> just uh, just really really simple things, and so and again that was that was a byproduct of the previous staff, not of of those individuals. So you know, I, I think it's huge. You know, we'll see what they can. We'll see if they can get another transfer defensive tackle. We'll see. I assume Lacey's going to return because why else would he have taken the red shirt at Notre Dame, right? The last his last year there, he only played four, and so I assume he's going to come back. He'll have a full off season, you know. He's, he's light. Maybe he can get a little bit bigger and, and, and be more impactful. Well, he won't have the one of the blood clots. Exactly. I mean, it's his- what's interesting is he played the most snaps for any defensive tackle for Oklahoma, and he missed all of summer and and all of fall camp. You know, so he didn't get any of the conditioning. So what he, he I think he still got my favorite term right, like additional developmental runway. You're gonna. I will see if Terry comes back, and again, we'll see what they can get, and we'll see if they can add a defensive end. Uh, just for some additional juice, or if you know a guy like Danny Akoye can come in as a true freshman and be a, you know, be just a contributor as a pass rusher. But uh, you know, I, I think from a defensive standpoint, I mean, the other thing is going to help Billy is I think Peyton Bowen in year two as a tandem. You know, when when you've got, I think it's one of those things that gets overlooked, right? But when you've got another guy next to you that can cover ground, can can do those things, and has great instincts, you know, it again, it just begins to shrink margins. It begins to shrink the field and shrink windows for for quarterbacks and offenses. So that'll just help. Hope I would expect to make Billy quite a bit better. So it's it's huge getting those two back. So the last championship season for OU two thousand. You basically got away with a defense that had two unbelievable linebackers and then three guys playing at just an absurd elite level in the secondary. Well, was four, really. And I think if you tell me that Stutz and Kip Lewis by September could be one of those linebacker tandems that we got used to in the past, I wouldn't. that wouldn't shock me. And if you told me that Peyton Bowen, Bowman, a healthy Gentry Williams uh, became three of those kind of secondary pieces uh, that just dominated. If you've got enough defensive, maybe elite guys that um, that the you just 
you know, OU, OU won a national championship with a front four basically of Corey Heineke, Corey Kalins, Corey Klein, subbing with Barry Holloman. And Ryan Fisher. G- Ryan Fisher and Jeremy Wilson Guest. Yeah. The game was definitely different because Fisher was like a, an anchor of a nose tackle that couldn't move and really freed some guys up. But yeah, but but if you are if Brent's defense is elite at linebacker and you have elite playmakers in the secondary, do you have to be elite on your defensive line? No. Can you? Do you have to be tough and not get whipped? Yes. And could I? With those guys coming back, I think your margin you. Potentially, to your point, Matt, you could, if you add those other pieces around them year over year, defense is getting better. The guys are getting better with the de- Brent has a complex defense, right? I mean, it was like year one, they knew like 50% of it. This year, they knew like 75%. Might actually know most of it by preseason this year, next year. So I think it getting those both, I mean, it's just not, it's the first time we've not had to just, we, we've really gotten guys back who could have made NFL decisions key ones. I mean, it's the biggest one since Baker didn't leave, really. Um, I mean, we've lo- you've lost, we lost, we generally lose these guys, right? I mean, we've, we've had offensive linemen leave left and right who shouldn't have left and defenders who shouldn't have left. I mean, it's, this is the biggest returnee since, since Baker. And, and those guys are coming back. And, you know, Chris, you're setting the foundation for a back seven that is truly elite, right? But then – I think a, a big difference this next season is who you can roll in behind those guys, you know, in, in the middle of the game, they can come out for a breather and you've got Robert Spears Jennings, who is now in year three under Brent Venables. You've got um, Connie Walker. You've got um, Kendall Dolby will be in his second season. Um, Jacoby Johnson has looked good in, in spots, Makari Vickers, he's got some positional flexibility. So you've got some up-and-comers behind there. And then at linebacker, you've got Desan. Hopefully, uh, you know, the coaches do what we've all been screaming for all season and and move him to a true linebacker role. So you've got him for depth. You've got Kobe McKenzie, who I thought looked pretty good down the stretch. Uh, when he got some run, he didn't really look lost. Um, you've got, you know, are we still – you know, have hope for Jaron Connect that he can put some things together. Maybe I don't know. If you do, that's just another bonus, right? And then there's the the pups from that last class: Lewis Carter, Sam Omasigo. I mean, you've got an entire you know two deep across the board in the back seven that you would feel comfortable with. You know, if an injury happens or you got to sub some guys out or anything like that, there's not going to be that much drop off. And you're bringing in, I think, rarely enrolling five DBs. Plus, we talked about in, our, in the first half of our recruiting show, Des Malone, who's a fascinating looking cornerback, safety, perhaps a safety as well, um, that you got on the portal, that you targeted early in the portal. To give yeah, you more throw, throw him in that mix. So, Maybe a cheetah. Or he allows somebody to play cheetah. He allows you to do some different things. So, I think it's those guys coming back are the biggest win for OU. I mean, SEC, no SEC. You're just bringing back a top ten linebacker and a top five safety. I think I think I think that's pretty not arguable at this point, right? For next year, returning players. I mean, Stutzman's easily a top ten linebacker, 
Bowman's easily a top five safety based upon everything I'm seeing. I mean, they both made various All American lists, right? So they're at worst top 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 six, top seven at their positions. Um, and you know, some of those linebackers are not going to be in college football next year. Edrin Cooper won't be. Um, he'll go pro um, from A and M, and a couple of those guys. So we haven't we haven't had those we haven't had anybody close to that returning on defense since. Oh, oh, nine. I don't know. Maybe Tony Jefferson. Um, when, when Mike first came back, I mean, I mean, we have Kenneth Murray maybe in, in, in 19, maybe. I mean, did Oboe stick around for an extra year. Yeah. I thought Oboe, did he, did he leave early? I think no, he, left he didn't leave early. No. He was just he was a senior. He was a senior. Oh, he was a senior. He was, a Mike. He yeah. was committed to Mike. He would you know, play out. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, we'd be talking like Oboe, and and Oboe was not Oboe wasn't on any All American lists. I mean, he was a really good. He was a real. I mean, give me Oboe Ogoronko. Any, I mean, he's proven it in the NFL. He's having a oh, good absolutely. NFL career. So give me give me him in a heartbeat. Yeah, t- tomorrow. But he wasn't an All American. So. All right. Well, that's the good. Well, that's I would say good. one other thing I think is just interesting is when Brent talked about how many guys they're going to sign, you really start to look at this will be the year you would say, okay, the amount of guys they signed year one, your first class, second class, now the third class, they've effectively flipped over the entire roster now. So like nearly, I mean, we've, we've got like a handful it's, of, it's like Danny, handful of it is like Danny and Billy. Like that's and Evan and uh, and uh, Downs. That's, that's right. It. That's right. Those are essentially on defense. Oh, that's I it. can't think. That is it. I guess Jalil Farouk is a was a leftover. But so you've got. But on defense, but on defense, we're we're down to. Yeah, with them three guys, yeah, even though as a whole team, he's <laughs> he's converted the entire roster. So with that, I would also like you talked you really touched on Matt. I would really expect to see like this continued development. As one of the things that, you know, we always saw with Brant's teams were, you know, the guys that stuck around would develop through time. And it may take two years, three years before they're on the field, but they'd get on the field and they were really good players. Sometimes they were great players. You know, like Curtis Lofton was rotational his first two years. Of course, that was a lot of argument. People thought he should have been starting. Uh, but, you know, when he did start, he was an All-American uh, and off to the NFL. So, yeah, I'm, I, uh, I, I think a lot of – Interested, I guess, just to see the developmental piece of everybody. Well, and real quick, I think that just circles us back to what we talked to with the schedule. And, you know, Brent has this team set up to go into the SEC better than a lot of these SEC programs like Auburn. Who's who's Auburn developing right now? Who's Ole Miss developing right now besides Jackson Dart? They have nothing at quarterback. I mean, Auburn has nothing at quarterback. So it's just kind of like – you look at that, you look at Brent Venables and what he's doing, and you look at these other programs and you say, yeah, I think he can go into to Auburn and beat Auburn. I think he can go into Oxford and beat Ole Miss. No problem. He's got the development as opposed to the flash and the 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 best guy in the portal. You know, what Ole Miss just signed that Ole Miss linebacker, you know. Is that really going to make that big of a difference for Ole Miss? No, it's like I, I joked with in our, in our chat, right? It's like, would you rather have him? Or Danny Sussman return. 
you absolutely want Danny returning, right? Uh, I think he made he made that that linebacker the portal linebacker pretty much obsolete. But yeah, it's funny you say that because yeah. again, I kind of go back to like the perception of things. Like when you really dive into like LSU's depth chart and you look at who they are and what they are, you know, uh, it's they're they're not the they are not LSU circa twenty nineteen. Right, they're not this this team that's just gonna be loaded in, in a juggernaut with these amazing you know players at every position. They're all going to be first round draft picks. I'm sure they've they've got talent, and I do not mean to say they do not have talent because LSU's got talent. They kind of they tend to lock the boot down, but what they don't have is you know they don't have a again first overall pick and 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 uh, two of the best receivers in the NFL. They don't have they don't have that rolling out there. So, uh, you know, like Oklahoma needs some breaks, but I, I do like, you know, where they're at. Need some kids. Team, oh, you need some young kids to come through, which, all right, leads me to this next topic. All right. So, how, <laughs> one through 10, one through 10, how bad a loss is Caden Green's Bizarre departure from Norman. We'll couch it in the kindest terms possible. Um, how, how quantify it? One through ten. Um, I, I do think you know some folks have overreacted. That oh, you will still play football. You know this fall, they, they <laughs> will have an offense. They will have some offensive line bodies. I mean, to me, it's a much bigger problem for the bowl game than it is. You know, nine months from now, right? I mean, in nine months you can find solutions. I think it depends on three, think it three weeks. Depends on how three you weeks. Use the I'm not sure. Yeah, three weeks. Can you find solutions? I'm not so sure, but we'll see. So, but all right. So, Matt, one through ten. Uh, how big a how big a shot to the to the to the to the Nats was this? Man, I, I has this word ever been said on this podcast? I'm going to go zero. Fuck them. <laughs> Sorry, that was too loud. We may have to edit that in audio. What time are we at? Time, time stamp are we at? 58, 24. <laughs> I, I mean, like, you pull that? What, what type of player are we to expect you're going to be in year two, year three? And I'm not saying it's all his fault or anything like that, but this is Oklahoma. We're we're not gonna lose our ass because one true freshman decided to go get the bag from somewhere else. Him and him and his dad can go run to L.A. or whatever, like you know we've seen before. I, there's there's no room for that. At and, Oklahoma. Karma, and, and karma got him this year. It, it definitely did. I mean, there's no room for that shit. Like gone, he's gone. I don't care. I've written it off already. Bowl game, we'll figure it out. Next year, guess what? It'll be week six, and we'll all be like, what's beating ball doing anyway? You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> I I don't care at this point. I think we need to have that mindset of, okay, he's gone. Who's going to fill in? You know, shit, we might even be looking at it next year and thinking, you know, he's the next savvy on Bird, and you think, oh, he can really do this stuff, and he doesn't. I mean, you never know. And then Bird leaves. So, I – zero. All right, Matt taking the uh, the Joseph Stalin scorched earth approach. We will we will not we will not retreat one line one inch without taking taking down twenty 
20,000 Nazis with us. All right, I love it. All right. We will fight them on the beaches, you know, a little, little combination of uh, Stalin and Winston Churchill. We'll fight you on the beaches. We'll fight you in the skies. Take that. Screw you. We're, we're moving on. The, the right. NIL offers will continue until morale improves. <laughs> okay. Caleb. Yeah, I love it. Like, because this has got to be maybe, and I'm, I'm, there's only a couple that I listen to, but this has got to be among the best Oklahoma podcast. I mean, we just got like a Joseph Stalin reference. We got Winston Churchill getting dropped on us. We got Matt like just going all in. It's like he he knows. Ball, baller, well, baller. It's like just he knows like, hey, what is like Caleb's like spirit animal? Like who was Caleb when he was younger? <laughs> he was the guy that was like, bite down your mouthpiece and fuck you. Like, why are you going that hard? Because fuck you. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's just, so I, I do. I would. I would probably go. That's, like, that's goodwill. That's good. So you mentioned goodwill hunting in our pre pre game pre pre show uh, movie talk, and you're so you're taking the Matt the Matt Damon approach, right? When he's asked. That's right. When Robin Williams asks him, why would you pick Bell? Bell the ranch. Why would you pick the ranch? Because fuck him. That's why. <laughs> exactly. So that's how I feel too. I, mean, I do feel the same way. I'd probably give it a four, and. Uh, and truthfully, the only reason I give it a four, I, I do think Caden's going to be. Uh, I think he's going to be a really good player. I mean, I'm go- I'm going to assume because, like, I will say this too. Again, we could like we could get into like you know Freud. We can talk some psychology here. But look, like, show me someone that was like striving for something and then got kind of like what they were looking for, like dumped on them. And they still kept working hard. Like in and like in boxing, there's always that talk, right? Like, uh, you know, people that sleep on on silk sheets, they're not getting up early in the morning, right? It's hard to wake up when you sleep on you sleep on silk sheets. And I personally have always been a really big believer of. And if you guys ever read uh, like the Undefeated, right? This is about Oklahoma and and uh, and, and just really how Bud built the program. And like that's actually like the foundation that you look back on the program is built on is it was like this tough, hard-nosed, like we're going to fight for everything that we get. And that builds calluses and that builds a mentality and that builds, you know, the people's, everybody's, you know, you know, favorite words these days, right? Culture. And like, that's what that builds. And you go around, you start tossing money around, giving people like how many trust fund kids, you know, that are out there busting ass, getting after it, like trying to make a dent in the world. Like not none. I know a couple that are like making dents in lines, you know, of, of drugs, but like they're not like making dents in the world. And so you do wonder a little bit right there. Right. You've got a dad stepping in and saying, no, you're going to take money. I'm going to I'm going to use you as a tool to get me paid. Uh, it, it's a wild one. Uh, the reason it's a four is really just because where the offensive line room is at right now, uh, because, you know, again, like to get back on track, Caden's a guard. Right. I mean, you, you look at the NFL and watch the NFL draft. How many, how many offensive guards are, are going in the first round? Very few, if ever. Right. It's just not, it's not that position. You know, you can toss some folks in there. And I mean, let's look at it this way. PF Zach Martin. I mean, yeah. I mean, and he's like, what? Pick 32, pick 31, pick 30, pick 29. Nobody's going up and getting into the top five and the top 10. So we've got to get that guard. 
It's just not, I mean, maybe in the nineties, right. But you know, Kyle Brady's off tight end. It was like six, five, two eighty from Penn state was also going to the first round then because he could set an edge. Those types of tight ends are now like, you know, six round draft picks, you know, and they're your third tight end. Well, they're, they're, they're not, they're, they're tackles. Yeah, you're actually right. It's a, uh, they, 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 they moved to tackle and they're six, five, three, 10. And they're in the first round. Cause they can, they got wingspan they move, and they're athletic. They can so. move. So it's just yeah. where the offensive line room is at is where I, I would give it that, uh, you know, there's yeah, some it's, guards it's, that are looking at the kid from North Texas. Uh, there's some kids that have just entered. I, I honestly, I'll be, be honest with you. There's a played left tackle. There's a kid that's in the portal, uh, from Louisiana Tech, played at Katy High School, played guard. He's played started at left tackle for Louisiana, Louisiana Tech for four years. Like he's sitting in the portal. He's a guard all day long. He's 6'4", 320, but can move. Like there's just guards to be had. But there's you know there's there's not as many tackles, you know. So uh, Oklahoma's already got their a, a tackle, you know, in Spencer Brown, uh, and we'll talk about him. But you know they've. I, to four just because you know again just because where the room's at but at the same time we've talked about this chris this was always going to be a year of the portal for the offensive line yeah you know it's it's the it's it's the dev pipeline takes too long and and 21 and 22 just didn't have enough bodies didn't have enough bodies so it just did that so i'm going to take the i'm going to take the matt burns scorched earth approach here on this podcast and i'm going to say i'm going to say a two because it's because eddie pierre louis was going to take his fucking job anyway (laughs) so i think we're getting eddie pierre louis on friday eddie runs the 100 meters apparently according to barry he's even running it poorly and he's still chugging away blowing feet you know blowing down the line his senior film is great we're gonna we'll suppress all eddie pierre louis talking to the actually verbals but to me, I think Eugene Brooks could is enrolling early. He's he's a fantastic looking guard. He could contribute this fall, and we'll see what Daniel Akinkimi does at the uh, at the Under Armour game this uh, coming up in two weeks. We'll see what see what see what Daniel UK looks like against elite competition. But I mean, again, we can find a player to replace him. This is not. If you told me Jackson Arnold was in the portal, I'd be like, yeah, we're screwed. Can can Bill Beatenbow find a can Bill Beatenbow find a guard to, to plug in? I mean, again, if he gets Vandermark and uh, our favorite name for Becky Nowewu, uh, if he can get for Becky Nowewu, um, get those two kids, then he's got he's got some guard pieces to to play around with, and it's it's bad. It's it's the bold game. I'm just more worried about. I would have liked Jackson Arnold to have a more set offensive line for his debut rather than. Um, you know, uh, you know. Apparently, jo- apparently, Everett wasn't out of practice the other day. Well, he said so he was there, he... but was standing off to the side. So I don't know if he was a little bit banged up, not working. But yeah, that's that's the one you, you know, because I will say the thing about again, you're right. I had not thought about the Jackson Arnold piece. Like you want to be able to protect him and do fine. I mean, but the tackles, tackles will help. And I'm not sure that Arizona's got any like. Doesn't have the Dumacon Sue at defensive tackle. <laughs> they don't. Here, all right? But I mean, they don't. But you want a good day. You want a center. He's working with. You want things to be to be. You, you want the timing on things to you be want relatively. Everett, you want Everett to be there. Like, I think you, you want, want Everett you to want be there. Everett if you, to Everett's be there, that's fine. But yeah, but if you tell me that 
we're getting to, we're getting by with some combination of Caleb Schaefer and Heath Ozetta. I'd be like, yeah, that sucks. But, you know, next man up, man. You want to – everyone's been talking about you for the last four weeks, so go go play, son. And, and you know, I'd love Jake Taylor to get some significant reps behind uh, Walter Rouse in that game. But, you know, that's a, that's, our, that's a different topic. That's a different podcast topic coming up in a, coming up in a week or two, so – well, we'll be able to see what Jackson can do with his legs, that's for sure. Well, you know, I mean, we'll just see what happens. Again, Arizona's losing their top tackle to the draft. He's not going to play in the bowl game. Um, you know, it's we'll, we'll see what happens. We got enough. We have enough talent to beat Arizona as an early, early prediction on that game. Enough of our keeping. This isn't. We're not getting as depleted as the FSU game, as I think. I just think we're in better shape overall as a as a as a team. So, anyway. all right. Well, that's. That's the end of part two of our podcast. I appreciate everyone listening and downloading. You can catch me at www.sooners360.com talking about all things recruiting. Our message board is, is alive with portal discussion. Um, we obviously have got part one for you guys. And if you're listening to them out of order, uh, please listen to part one. We're going to be going over recruiting in the portal. Uh, Matt, I'm going to give you a, a chance to say a final buzzer, a final lead us out since you're joining us as our guest. Uh, Caden who? All right, there we go. So thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. And we are a week from my personal second Christmas day, National Signing Day, biggest day of the year. Um, I will be up at like 6 a.m., uh, well, I won't be up. Daniel, I think Daniel can submit his letter of intent like, like, like the day before. Like the day before, <laughs> like Greenwich Mean Time. I don't know Greenwich. I don't know because he's he, he can do it December thirteenth, so he can he can do it. It's like seven a.m. I think it is something like that. Local time, he can do it. So uh, one a.m. in the morning, he can he can he can fax. He can send in his electronic letter of intent if he wants to if he's still in i don't know if he's still in the uk or not i think he he might be uh i think he might be traveling before then so but anyway we're a week away from signing day keep an eye out for news from us on our signing day coverage uh we'll have that on i'll, I'll be advertising on my twitter space we'll talk about it on our pod we'll try and get a quick pod in before signing day and we'll definitely have a signing day pod so thanks everyone When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.